intentionally. He knew what was going to come. He didn't, it wasn't a shock. It wasn't a last minute thing that took him by surprise. He knew his purpose for being here. He knew what was coming and he went through with it because he loved us and we should be worshiping him and thankful for that, especially today as we remember his death for us. So thank you for that. We apply a lot of phrases today in applications that are different than what they were originally intended for and originally referred to. For example, let's say that you've been looking for this hard-to-find item at a store. And you're out to dinner one night and you say to your wife, I'm just going to run in here real quick and see if they might have what I'm looking for. And you come out after a while and you tell your wife, I struck out. Do you mean that you went in there and you played nine innings of baseball and you struck out? No, you meant you did, couldn't find what you're looking for. But you apply that term in another area. You struck out. Maybe you encounter someone who's very dominant and very imposing. And you might refer to that person as a heavyweight. You mean that he's got a black eye, he's a boxer? No, he's just, you refuse that term and you apply it to someone who's very impressive. Maybe you look at someone who's got a lot of stamina. And they can really endure difficult circumstances. You might say that that person is a trooper. Do you mean that they're really a soldier? No, you just take that term and you apply it in a different area. There's another phrase that we use like this as well. If someone is constantly doing something, maybe it's an activity that's done with devotion, or someone that is really committed to doing something even when it isn't convenient. How do you describe that person and that action that they're doing? You might say that he or she's doing that action religiously. Maybe you, there's a guy who's a runner, and he's an avid runner. I knew a guy years ago who ran every day, whether he was sick or not. I mean, he, this guy could be sick, and he was still going to go out and run every day. You would say this man runs religiously. Maybe there's a, a lady who likes to go out with her friends to lunch. Maybe every Thursday at 11 o'clock, they go out to lunch together. And you'd say that group of ladies, they go to lunch religiously. They do it regularly and consistently. They're devoted to meeting to get, and going to lunch. They do it religiously. Maybe there's the guy in the neighborhood who maybe has the yard of the month, and he's out there every day or every weekend mowing his yard. He takes care of his yard religiously, you say. The adverb religiously means, according to Oxford's English Dictionary, something that's done with consistent and conscientious regularity. Vocabulary.com defines it this way. If you do something religiously, you can be relied on to do it on a regular basis. This website goes on and says, religion is the key to this adverb's origin. It originally meant just in a religious manner, but these days you can use it to describe any activity you're devoted to, whether it's religiously watching your favorite TV show or drinking a cup of tea religiously every afternoon. The term religiously. It's not a hard concept to grasp. We use the term often, don't we? The irony, though, is that many people can't use the term religiously to describe their religion. And this morning, I want to ask the question, can you use the term religiously when you're talking about your religion? You know, a lot of religious people don't act 
religiously towards their religion. Many religious people engage in religion randomly. No real consistency. Might be a, a religious today and not so religious tomorrow. You wouldn't really uh, uh, describe this person as religious, but every now and then, just out of the blue, they surprise you. In fact, they're pretty worldly most of the time. A lot of the time they use the language that everybody uses, and they can really let it fly when they want to. They don't watch their tongue, but, but then every now and then they'll get some religion. They'll tell the filthy jokes. They'll dress like everybody on TV in the world dresses. They'll display the same kind of priorities, but then all of a sudden, out of the blue, they tell you how upset they are about a moral issue that's in our society today. Just sort of takes you off guard. This person acted just like everybody else, but then they're upset about something going on in the news or in, in the world. They act just like everybody else, but then they tell you about how they went to church on Sunday, just sort of out of the blue. They're not consistent. It's sort of random. Maybe they'll tell you that they're taking a stand on something with their kids or their family, and you're sort of surprised because it's just sort of hit or miss with them. They're not really committed. Jesus talked about folks like this, I believe. In Luke chapter 16, verse 13. In Luke 16, verse 13, Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters, for either hate the one and love the other, or else will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I think Jesus is saying here we can't really ride the fence. You can't, you can't have a foot on both sides of the fence here. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And there are a lot of people who in the religious world today I think are trying to do both. They're trying to live like the world, trying to live like a Christian, and they're just not consistent. And you couldn't say that these people are religiously practicing their religion with consistent and conscientious regularity. They're inconsistent. They're random. There are other people in the religious world today who are practicing their religion when it is convenient. They'll be a Christian if it's convenient, but if it's inconvenient, don't count on them. We have stores that are dedicated to convenience, don't we? We have the convenience store. These stores are strategically located. So you don't have to go get very far or go very far to get to them. They've got small parking lots, so you don't have to walk very far to get in to the store. The stores are very small, so you don't have to walk very far to get what you want. It's all about convenience. Because if it's not convenient, you're not going to go. It's got to be convenient. And you don't go to the convenience store when you don't need anything. You know, nobody stops at the Dollar General just because they feel compelled. You know, I got to go there. It's just something we got to do. We got to stop by the Dollar General. We got a, a, a weekly obligation. We got to check off the box. Yep, we went to Dollar General today. Everything's going to be good for this week. If you don't need anything, you don't darken the door. It's all about being a consumer and giving the consumer what they want. I want to tell you, the religion for a lot of people today has become like the convenience store. It's got to be convenient. It's got to be something that doesn't cost me too much, that doesn't inconvenience me. If it's easy, I'll do it. But if it's hard, count me out. If it works out to practice my religion, good. But if not, oh well, no big deal. 
Convenience is the name of the game. When we were building our house several years ago, one of the contractors that showed up was a known crook. The general contractor had had sto things stolen by this guy. He was, and he, I think he'd been in jail recently for it because he was just, a, he was a bad guy. He got to telling me about how he'd had all these health problems. His back was really hurting him. I think he'd had some kind of other ailments that were really getting him down. He said, you know, I think I just need to start going to church. See if God will take some of this stuff off of me. Why was he interested in religion? He was interested in religion, what he could get out of it, how it would help him. I want to tell you, there are a lot of people today that are practicing their religion because it's convenient. And Jesus told a parable, I think, about people who were all about their convenience. In Luke chapter 14, in Luke chapter 14, verse 16 beginning. If you have good eyes, you can read that. If not, you can follow along in your Bible. Luke 16, 14, verse 16. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke, and of, yoke of oxen. Um, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife, and I therefore cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. And still there is room. Then the master said to his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. It wasn't convenient for these folks, was it? It wasn't convenient. They had too many other things going on. They made all kinds of excuses. They might have come if they had nothing else going on, but they had excuses. You know, life is busy, and we've got a life after all. We can't come. People today are no different. You know, people today will serve God if it's convenient. But if it's inconvenient, don't ask me to do it. You know, in general, church attendance is better when it's nice outside versus when it's rainy. Something as simple as having to get a little wet to go to church. Well, count me out of that. Because we're serving God when it's convenient. You couldn't use the phrase religiously to describe many people's religion today because they only do it when it's convenient. I'll tell you, many people also engage in their religion when it is popular. We are social creatures. We like to do what everyone else is doing. And we don't want to be left out of what everyone else is doing. And advertisers use this characteristic and trait of people to their advantage all the time. It's called the bandwagon effect. If you've got a product you're trying to sell, you need to convince everybody else that everyone is doing it and everybody's using my product and you want to be like everybody else, so buy it and use it because we're social creatures. And it is no different in religion. Many people in religion today want to go with the crowd. They want to go to the popular church. They want to look for the church where everyone goes. 
And they will gauge the faithfulness of that church or a church by how big it is, how many people are there. We want to do what's popular. And we'll be religious if it's popular. But it goes much farther than that. There are a lot of people today who will take a stand against sin if that's the popular thing to do. But if it's unpopular to stand up for what's right, then some people will just shut their mouth and sit down and be quiet instead of standing up for what's right. Many people will do the right thing and act the way that they should if everybody else is acting that way. But if doing something causes me to make waves, causes me to stand out from the crowd, causes me to look different and be unpopular? Well, maybe not. I'm not willing to do that, you see, if it's going to be something that's not popular. Jesus encountered some folks like this in John chapter 9. In John chapter 9, beginning of verse 19, and they asked them, saying, this is the parents of the son, of the boy who, or the son who had become, uh, was blind and could now see, the parents were inquired of. They asked them, saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he see, now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He's of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said, We know it's our boy. And we know he now can see, but he was blind. You go talk to him about how it happened. Why? It goes on, it says, uh, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the G Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogues. Therefore, his parents said, He's of age, ask him. They weren't willing to go against the popular opinion, were they? They weren't willing to stand up for what's right because everyone said, if you stand up for Jesus and you admit him, you're going to be put out of the synagogue. And it wasn't just true for these folks here. It was also true for the leaders in John chapter 12, verse 42. In John 12, verse 42, Nevertheless, even among the rulers, many believed in him. That's in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. It was no different in the first century than it is today. A lot of people today, like they were in the first century, won't serve God if, unless it's a popular thing, unless everyone will say it's okay. And We can't use the phrase religiously to describe the religious activity of many today because they're only doing it if it's popular. And finally, I want to tell you there are a lot of religious people today that are only engaging in religion if they feel like it. They're only engaging in religion if the mood hits them. I have a lot of hobbies like that. Hobbies that I just do when I feel like it. Maybe you like to fish. I like to fish. I tell you, I don't fish all that often, though. It just the mood doesn't hit me. When it hits me, I like to do it. I'll be out there. But, you know, it doesn't hit me all that often. Maybe you've got a closet full of things, that, of hobbies that, you know, you haven't done it in six months. And if you get in the mood, you'll do it. You'll pull it out to me. You'll enjoy it. But if the mood doesn't hit you, don't worry about it. And you don't have a lot of guilt. You know, I don't have a lot of guilt because my fishing pole has a lot of dust on it. It's not keeping me up at night. I'm not tossing around at night. And think, Whoa, I haven't fished in a long time. If I feel like it, I do it. If I don't, I don't. Shopping may be your thing. Golf. 
Does anybody get really down and depressed? I haven't golfed in six months. I feel so guilty. No. We do it if we feel like it. We don't, we don't. And that's somebody's religion. A lot of people's religion, I'm going to tell you. If I get in the mood, I do it. If I don't, I don't. And it doesn't really plague my conscience. It's just a transient part of our lives sometimes. We act religiously if the mood hits us, and we abandon religion if it doesn't. It's just something we take or we leave. But God's Word says it can't be like that. God says we have to do it even if we don't feel like it. In Galatians chapter, chapter 6, verse 9, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. This can't be something that we do just if we feel like it. But yet many people are engaging in their religious activity because they feel like it. Well, this sermon today isn't about everybody else. The sermon today is about you. The sermon today is for me to do some self-reflection and for you to do some self-reflection. And for us to ask ourselves not to think about anybody else but me, how are we doing religiously? Could we use the term religiously to talk about our religion? Some applications that we need to make. Could you use the term religiously when you're talking about your practice of prayer? Would you be honest and would you be accurate in describing how you pray as by saying, I pray religiously? You know, the Bible's clear that prayer has to be a constant part of our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17 says simply, pray without ceasing. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 tells us we need to be continuing steadfastly in prayer. This is not something that's random. Not something that uh, we pray just when there's a crisis. We pray just when we're concerned about something. We pray just when we're stressed. We pray just when we're afraid, but other times, uh, maybe, maybe not. No, it's not random. It's not just when it's convenient. You know, if I don't have anything else going on, then I'll take time to pray. If I've got one of those days where I'm just sitting around thinking, what am I going to do? Oh, well, I guess I'll pray today. No, it's not something like that. It's not just something that when we do when we feel like it. Are we praying steadfastly and without ceasing? We need to be. Can we use the word and the phrase religiously when we're talking about our praying? How about our Bible study? Could you use the term religiously when you talk about your Bible study? I study the Bible religiously. That means I'm constantly doing it and conscientiously making time to do it. We need to be studying our Bibles on, regu on a regular basis. And the Bible's clear on that. And I've never heard anybody in a Bible study stand up and say, you know what? I think we're all wrong by saying we need to study the Bible regularly. Nobody's ever done that. We all agree we need to be studying the Bible regularly. Are we doing that? We need to make sure that we are. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's going to have to be a conscientious, concerted effort to understand God's word and apply it to our lives. Our Bible study can't be random. It can't be hit or miss. 
It can't be something that we get serious about and then we're not serious about it. We need to have the approach that we're going to dedicate our lives to studying God's Word. It's not something we do just when we feel like it. It's not something we do just when we have time, but we're dedicated and devoted to it. We need to be like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11. These were more no fair-minded fair than those in Thessalonica in that they received the Word with all readiness and searched the Scriptures daily to find out whether these things are so. Could you use the term religiously about your Bible study? Could you use the term religiously when you're talking about your practice of worship? Again, the Bible's clear that God expects us to be assembling regularly. Hebrews 10, verse 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the Bible's clear on this as well. And I've never heard anybody argue that we don't need to be worshiping God. But are we doing so religiously? Notice the focus of this verse. The focus of this verse is not about how much you assemble. You know, there's no set percentage. God didn't say, hey, I need you here 75% of the time. No set percentage. What's the focus of this verse? The focus of this verse is about the forsaking. Not the forsaking of the assembly. That means I could be here 99.9% .9 of the time. But if I forsake, what have I done? I violated God's instruction for me. If I'm here all the time, but you know what? I decided it. the fish look like they're really going to be biting today. This is least important. Fishing took the priority. I violated that, haven't I? Are we worshiping God religiously it gets down to our priorities and we all have a lot of things vying for our time we all have a lot of commitments but what commitment is going to win what commitment am I going to let win you know there are a lot of other things that have to wait there are a lot of things that I show priority for you know there are a lot of times on Saturday afternoon when I'm right in the middle of doing something and I'm about to get it. And Nikki calls from the house, lunch is ready. You know what I do? As much as I'd like to finish what I'm doing, as much as I'd like another five minutes to get that done, you know what I do? I set it down and I go eat lunch. Why? Well, one, lunch is important. But number two, Nikki is taking time to make the lunch and I don't want to disrespect her by telling her I don't care. Lunch took the priority. I want to tell you, God wants us to be worshiping Him. He wants us to be assembling together. And I show a lot about what I think about God and what I think about my brethren by what I allow to have priority over that. We need to make sure that we're worshiping God religiously. In fact, first century Christians... Worship God religiously and assembled religiously. In Acts chapter 12, Peter had been thrown in prison for being a Christian, for standing up for what's right. And what are the other Christians doing? Hiding? Say, whoa, wait a minute. No, they're together, assembling together, praying. In Acts 12, verse 12, they had come together to pray. They assembled religiously. They worshiped religiously. Could we say that about us? 
a couple more points quickly as we're about out of time. Could we say that we are religious about maintaining purity in the world that we live in today? You know, we live in a wicked world. And we're commanded to live differently. And it's no surprise to anyone how wicked the world is. Look at the news. And you'll get a good glimpse every day about how wicked and corrupt and far from God our society is. But God tells us we've got to be different. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, that we just looked at in our Wednesday night Bible class, 1 Timothy 2, beginning verse 8, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing, but which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. God wants men and women to live lives that are devoted to to purity and devoted to Him. We've got to have purity. And it's not just a part-time effort. This is a thing that needs to permeate our being as Christians. It is a 24-7 activity. In 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, God says, Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Come out from the world. Be devoted to it. Could it be said of you that you are devoted to purity, that your purity and your desire for purity is something that you do religiously? And finally, I want to just ask the question, could it be said and could it be said of your devotion that you are religiously devoted to God? Our whole life as Christians needs to be devoted to God. Every aspect of our life, every nook, every cranny, every moment of our life needs to be devoted to God. Are we engaged in that religiously? Or are we like so many in the religious world today that are just being devoted to God randomly, hit, hit or miss? Just being devoted when it's convenient or when it's popular or when you feel like it? Are you devoted to God like you need to be? In Acts chapter 2, the passage that Joseph read for us, we don't have to read it again, but they continued daily doing what God wanted them to do. We need to be devoted to God religiously. Can we use the term religiously when we're talking about our religion? You know, it's interesting to me that the world around us knows what religion should be by the fact that the world around us uses the term religiously to talk about anything. We could talk about a guy eating a hamburger every day. About it. He eats it religiously. The world knows what religion is all about. When you're religious, you're devoted to it. You are conscientious and you're consistent and it is what you do. But when we start talking about religion, we throw that out the window, don't we? And we just do whatever we want to do. But everyone understands religion means you're consistent and you're conscientious about it. Are we that way with our religion? We need to be. What about you this morning? Are you living like you should? Are you here and you're not yet a Christian? You know, there's no better time than today to become one. Or if you're not a Christian, or you're a Christian not living like you should, could you make correction to that? And if there's anything we can do to help, will you let us know while we stand and sing?